Welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftoff, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock, Red Dirt Redbird, A Medlock1 on Twitter. Coming at you very early on a Friday morning as we still are somewhat processing um, what happened last night for the Cardinals, what has happened this week for the Cardinals. Um, and there's a lot of stuff to, to go over from the last week or so, because since we've gotten together, the Cardinals, you know, had the trade deadline and things like that nature. But now let's just start with last night um, in, in the series in general, but it really kind of, I think it kind of came to a head to some degree last night. Uh, Cardinals have, have a two run lead. They bring in Giovanni Gallegos who had pitched so much the night before um, almost gets out of that inning, gives up the home run. You know, get, puts another runner on. Alex Reyes comes in, hits a batter, walks, 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 walks. Justin Miller comes in, walks. We walked four batters with the bases loaded last night um, before they wound up losing that game to Atlanta. Um, there's a lot of places to start with that mess, but why don't we start with the bullpen? Not only the people that are in it, but how it's being used. Um, because it feels like for the fact that Mike Schultz says he can't throw the same three guys every night, he likes to throw the same three guys every night. There's not a lot of faith in anybody out there, and that, that and that's a little bit worrisome because a lot of those guys are using the blowouts and whatnot, and it's a it's a little bit scary. Um, yeah, you know, last night on the uh, Gallegos front, I'm still. It, this could go a few different directions. I still, whenever I see when I see Gallegos, I feel like you're in a good spot, you know, mm-hmm. and and I uh, and I think. Uh, and I think, okay, well, the, you can get out of this. He doesn't get touched up very often. You know, Thursday was maybe a one in a million. And then you see it happening. And then at that point, I lost all faith in anything going on. I mean, even when it was a tie game, I was like, it feels like you're in Atlanta at this point and that, that you're, you had the disadvantage. I feel like Atlanta's going to score on you. And, you know, I didn't realize they'd go on to score eight. You know, that, uh, that was, that was crazy. But, but yeah, it, there's not a lot of faith in guys in the bullpen. I feel like, Reyes has kind of been mishandled for a while just because they, they, you know, we hear the innings limits, but it's never been followed through on. And then, um, you know, these things are bound to happen to him. Unfortunately, as electric as he is, 
it was just it was tough. I mean, the, to me, the backbreaker was was Gallegos getting touched up on Wednesday night. That was one that really bothered me because I thought you still had a chance to win the series and whatnot. And then if your best players are starting to falter, then you, then you're probably in trouble. And whatever glimmer of hope you have, that that's that's going to be put out pretty quickly. So to see it having two nights in a row is a gut punch. And you know, as big as an Alex Reyes fan as I am, I mean, it was really hard to watch the, the eighth inning last night. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's difficult. You know, yesterday um, morning, I almost sent you a message because I thought, man, you know, maybe we need to start seeing some other guys in the eighth or the ninth because Gallegos is starting to wear down and, you know, because he'd had that blow up. And then I went and looked at his game log and it looks like the beginning of the month is about the time, you know, he had a, a bad game on July 1st. He had a bad game on June 1st. Um, he had two or three games there at the beginning of July that were bad, but then he'd had kind of a good run for a while. And I, I thought those blow-ups were a little bit closer to each other. But I think the point still stands. I mean, he has never thrown, uh, you know, I don't know that he's ever thrown like, you know, he, 28 pitches was his high for the year. No, it wasn't. 29. He got 29 earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, the last 23, 29, he didn't pitch again for another four or five days. Yeah. Um, I I get Mike Schilt. Yeah has this idea of let a guy get back on a horse, um, which is some degree fair. But I also got to think it's like, you got to tell the guy, look, I got faith in you, but you threw 20, you know, you threw 30 pitches last night. You're not pitching tonight. You know, if we get a lead, I'll figure it out. And and that's the thing that we're not seeing. I don't think is like you said, there's no trust in anybody else out there. I'm not sure that that's, valid though i mean i don't necessarily want to see luis garcia and jason miller coming into you know high leverage situations but they've done a well at least garcia i think feels like um i haven't looked i'll have to look at his game logs and show me how bad i'm wrong but it feels like they've been they've done well with what they've given given you know and it's it's kind of like that you know the story of the talents in the bible you know trusted with small things maybe you get trusted with a little bit more stuff um you know, again, I'm not saying they need to be pitching the ninth, but I also think that, you know, especially as we've gotten to this point where the Cardinals are two games under 500 at the middle of August, they're 11 and a half out of the division. I didn't even look at the wild card, but I don't think that's going to matter. Um, it's to the point where you can just try stuff because if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's just tough for a manager to, to, to push those chips in now. Sure. Um, the, uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I feel like that, like, like I texted you last night and I said, man, I just, I, I don't like it when the, uh, the, when they play on ESPN because the guys that don't watch like we do mm-hmm. all of a sudden start texting me out of nowhere and, you know, can solve all the problems. And it's one of those, it's, it turns into, it's really hard to, it's really hard to, uh, um, it's, it's, it's hard to explain your, your Gallegos and Reyes situations, mm-hmm. you know, but I want to point to him and was like, Hey, well, Reyes is an all-star, you know, just look at that first and then go from there and just realize he's going to have some wildness, but he also doesn't, no one hits him, you know, one of those deals. So I just, I basically, I just don't respond. What I'm trying to say is all these guys that I have, uh, that I ha- even high, I have faith for, I feel like they may be cooked at this point yeah. and because of the way that they are used, and, and that's no benefit to them. 
So you, I, I see what you're saying. There's going to have to be some kind of building of faith or let's just start rolling the dice and see if we can get some outs because we just don't have anything left. And, and again, three better minimum limits the idea of, of matchups and stuff. But, you know, as, as we have pointed out, as I know Jeff Jones has been on quite a bit uh, in the second half. They hardly ever use Andrew Miller, who's been yeah. successful since yes. he came back. Now, granted, you know, I think somebody pointed out is OPS against righties and lefties, and it's a significant gap. But, you know, especially with a team with a, a decent amount of lefties or a situation where a couple of lefties are coming up, you can work around the righty maybe um, or, you know, give it a chance. I just it's amazing that they go to some players when they don't go to others, you know, um, you know, for a while there, I thought Justin Miller had, you know, both the Millers, had kind of fallen off the team because they didn't get used, you know, and now we've seen a little bit more of Jason Miller left mainly because there's Justin Miller, sorry. Um, mainly because there's been enough blowouts that they've pitched in. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's a solution to this. It's not like there's three guys in Memphis that we're interested in coming up and putting them yeah. in. Um, but I think it's just going to come to the point where you're going to have to use some of those other guys yeah. a little bit more. Cause like you said, you're starting to starting to look like Gallegos and Reyes, you know, are going to be pretty ugly by the end of the year. If this keeps up. Yeah, that's uh, it's, I don't know an answer. I, I mean, I, I personally thought that, that uh, the, the stuff that we would see at the deadline was more bullpen oriented. And I think it may be ultimately whenever you get some of your your guys back that are coming back pretty quickly. I mean, I'm assuming that we're going to see Flaherty and if at least Flaherty, and if not Michaelis next week, which then kind of reshuffles things a little bit. But I don't think that's going to be the late inning options. So I don't know. I mean, you have Potts coming back that that has to be on the team, and those those are guys that are going to be out there, and and maybe there may be a little bit of churn of guys that he's not afraid to use, but. You know, there's a lot of the situations that I feel like Helsley's fallen into that circle of trust a little bit too much now because he's putting him in situations that he just shown that he can't succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating as well. Yeah, if for, for a guy that is supposed to be in tune with the analytics department, and again, you know, they know stuff we don't. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. okay, maybe. But when you look at, you know, you just look at the numbers, the splits of Helsley versus... You know, when he's coming in with somebody on versus when he's not, when he's starting an inning or it's clean. I mean, you would never bring him in to start an inning. I mean, because he just, those are the innings that blow up on him. Whereas I don't know if, he, if he's got that adrenaline rush or, or whatever. You know, if there's runners on, they often don't score. So why aren't you using him as a fireman of a guy that, you know, comes in like last night? You know, instead of going to race, you go to Alex, you go to Helsley to try to get you out of that jam and then turn it to race or something like that. Yeah. I think Helsley had pitched. I mean, I'm just saying just an just example, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but you know, you know, they may know more, like I said, they may know more stuff than we do, but you know, on the face of it, on the surface, it really feels like these guys are, are, are not getting used in the best way. And that's, I mean, that's an issue because Cardinals are only going to go as far as they're pitching and starting yeah. in bullpen. Yeah, yeah. For a, a team that's built on, you know, pitching and defense, that uh, that has been a that has been a, a huge problem all year. Yeah, it's rough. The, you know what? Let me backtrack on this as well, yeah. a second as well. 
the Andrew Miller deal has been has been I don't has been handled odd all year long. Mm-hmm. Either from the toe blister to the you know the uh, ineffectiveness to the toe blister to you know coming back and pitching well and then to not pitching at all. I don't know. It's very strange. It's very strange to handle for a guy that is such a figurehead for the the union. That concerns yeah. me a little bit. Um. Well, and I got to say, um, if they had done this last year, he wouldn't have hesitated his option. You know, and you're and you're saving twelve million dollars by not paying him this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I forget I mean, about that. Now, granted, you know they had really had no choice last year. I'm, I'm not really blaming them on that because, um, because you know, short, we had so many games and so much time. I mean, you just basically had to pitch him if he was healthy. Um, it was very hard to you know bury him like you're burying them this year. <laughs> but you know, again, yeah, this if this if last year. I could have avoided a lot of this at this rate. And I don't get it because it, to some degree, it feels like Andrew Miller's better this year than he was last year. Maybe it's because we haven't seen him as much, right? He's getting enough time off that he can come in and, you know, he's got 10 days of rest. So it's <laughs> a big deal. Um, I don't know, but um, it's just a little bit weird that you're seeing some good performances and they're not necessarily being capitalized on. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, just a fear to use some guys in some situations, and the insistence to use some on guys that that have shown that they're that's not where they're most comfortable. Yep. I looked at the appearances earlier today. Genesis Cabrera is tied for six with fifty games, um, and that is after you know sitting out for nine days. You know he had a week off basically between Sunday and what I guess yesterday or day before yesterday. He's at six, tied tied for six with fifty. Uh, Gallegos is tied for eleventh with forty nine, and then uh, Ryan Helsley is tied for uh, tied for twenty first with forty seven. So they got a lot of guys up there. Yeah, I mean, um, and guys that like Henesis Cabrera, um, you know, isn't a guy that's been around a long time. Some of these guys that are leading the league, like Steve Shishak, is is up there. You're most well petted. Uh, those are the guys leading it. Those are those are veteran guys. Been around. They've done this. Um, you know, Cabrera, Gallegos. I mean, Gallegos leads in innings pitched out of this group. Um, in fact, I think Zach Griffith just put it up this morning. But out of out of relievers, like Gallegos is what third, and and behind a couple guys that have done some starting. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know what this looks like for September. I mean, I know what it looks like. It looks like they're playing a lot of meaningless games in September um, and August uh, for the first time in a long time. But I, I don't like you said. Hopefully, I would guess that because that's one thing I did want to talk about. You know, the Cardinals go out and trade for um, two veteran guys, J Hap and John Lester. Um, Flaherty and Michaelis will be back soon. So you're looking at a rotation. I assume a Flaherty, Michaelis, Wainwright, Kim, they got a fifth spot and I don't know who gets that fifth spot. Honestly, what do you, I mean, but the other two go to the bullpen and maybe you can sort some stuff out. What do you do with that fifth spot? Do you go with one of these two guys? I mean, we've only seen them once, so it's hard to know. Um, or do you go with Wade LeBlanc, who's pitched well for an extended period of time for the Cardinals? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm concerned about that. Just, well, like, like you said, it may not matter in the first place. I would be blown away 
if Luster pitches out of the bullpen. I, yeah. I, just, I don't see that happening at all. I think that he'll be he'll be a rotation piece. Um, what they do with the rest of the guys, that, that I don't know. Because LeBlanc has done everything that he can to stay in the rotation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they had these guys to come over and to try to gain innings to alleviate some of the problems that we've been talking about for 15 minutes of the innings limit on A, their starters, and, and B, their bullpen. And, uh, you know, you're still only going to get five or six out of them. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of a – I understand the mindset between trading for these guys. I, I, I do. And I didn't necessarily – it didn't really bother me because I didn't think they were going to do anything at one point. But uh, it is, it's, it's kind of odd for them to where we have said for a month and a half of, hey, look what these other teams are doing with their playing time. And they make it a little uncomfortable for everybody. But they're doing a timeshare and they do it well and they're winning. Yep. The Cardinals never seem to do that. And now they've gained a bunch of pitchers that they're just going to try to figure it out as <laughs> on the fly. I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, and and it gets to a point we may talk about in a little bit, but you know, if you really felt, and we talked about this, I think last show too, if you really felt like you were going to make a run, you let Jack Flaherty be an opener and pitch two innings in the major leagues, and then let LeBlanc follow him up or something like that, or maybe you give him a rehab start. But you know, Flaherty took a rehab start. What was it? Sunday, Bundy, whenever it was, felt well and basically said, look, I'm ready to pitch. And they're sending him out for another one today. It does sound like instead of like the three or four that they thought, it sounds like he'll be in the rotation after this one, assuming everything goes well. So, you know, you're talking about middle of next week and Michael is going to have another one. And I guess maybe I'd be a little bit more hesitant with Michael one, because he's not Jack Flaherty and two, because of the injury history that he's had over the last sure. year. Um, but still, you know, what does more for this team, you know, two or three innings of Jack Flaherty versus four or five of John Lester. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just feels like, like you said, I really thought that if they were going to get anything, they'd focus on the bullpen because they have, you know, Libertor is probably pretty close. Now, they may not want to bring him up, but if they had to and they had these guys returning, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do because there's going to be some people that have to be talking off the roster, which is probably going to be Luis Garcia and um, Justin Miller. And somebody else is going to have to come off the DL too, though, or come off the twenty, uh, the twenty-six and the forty man. Um, well, at least the twenty-six. I think Flaherty's on the sixty, and Michael is on the sixty, but but Ponce is not. I think Ponce is on the ten day, so they won't have to clear a forty-man spot for him. But they will all have to be on the twenty-six man, and you know, there's not a lot of guys with options, so. Um, I think that's going to be, I know it's not going to be interesting necessarily, but <sighs> it'll be, uh, it may be that third spot will be because after, after Miller and Garcia, I don't know that there's an obvious third person that goes, I guess Snoop Bar's still up, right? So he could go down and maybe that's it. And that's, that's that's what you do, and that's goes back to the fact that they're not a very creative team. Yeah, and that and you know, the whole entire time you were talking about that just now, we both know they're going to do the most vanilla thing mm-hmm. imaginable to make this happen. You know, to even ruin that kind of enthusiasm to see what <laughs> what kind of move they're going to make. I mean, 
You know, yeah. I, we, you just know that's going to happen that way. So it might be for the best. I, I, don't, I don't know, but it is a, uh, it's an odd state right now where the Cardinals are in. You know, I, I never would have imagined that it would be this. I mean, I, I know there are ups and downs, but man, they're just a, they're a boring team to watch. And I didn't think that would be the case after going to get Arenado. But yeah, I mean, here's where we are. And I mean, some guys that, you know, I had faith in bouncing back are seem to be cratering. So it's it's a tough spot. I'm I'm curious to see how they do it. I mean, whenever we were talking just now, I <clears throat> I kind of wonder what benefit is it to bring Ponce along. You know, is there any? I mean, is he in the future? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I would like to know some of the inner workings of, of some of the guys they're looking at and what they actually plan for some of these guys. I mean, because I I mean. You and I both kind of feel the same about Ponce de Leon. I mean, he's an in-betweener. You know, he's probably the 4A player. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. So, so I don't know. I just, I, it, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, the, the way – if Ponce was healthy last week, he gets moved like Gant does probably. Right? Probably, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I don't see that – I don't see that Ponce de Leon is a guy that they want to keep around. Um especially with no options um, and, you know, arbitration and all that stuff. But I, I think this was an organization and I, I think it's good. I think it's fair. I wouldn't necessarily want to see them be otherwise, but I don't think this organization is going to spend all this time on a guy and let him rehab and all that. And then just cutting, you know? Um, so, and, I, and again, I wouldn't want them to. I, I'd like them to have a little bit more humanity than all that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Not necessarily <laughs> what we saw at the Cubs this week, but that's another story. Um, so Ponce is going to be on this team for the rest of the year. He does feel like, yeah, that's it. Um, although, who knows? I mean, they might bring him along and and then just let him, you know, sign him to a deal and cut him in spring training if they have enough guys. Uh that not having options is really going to hurt hurt yeah. at some point. How uh, how gun shy are they going to be after this year to release any pitching? Uh, yeah, uh, but I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Uh, depending on what they do in the off season to go get some more, um, which I want to have that discussion probably not today, but uh, sometime soon because I've started to think about the fact that they've got a lot of money coming off the books, but they may not have a lot of places to spend it. Yeah, um, and, and they have a uh, – I was looking at it this week. They have a uh, substantial group of raises that are coming in arbitration as well. Yeah, and that may be where a lot of that money goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some hesitancy because that's a funny thing. Um, it, it's it's not funny, but it is strange when you've watched the Cardinals for the last few years. They have a huge crop of – offensive players that you would like to see maybe at the major leagues. I mean, Juan Yepes is tearing up Memphis. He needs to probably, I think in a lot of years, he would be getting a call to the major leagues. But what's the, what are they going to do? I mean, they've barely had their outfield together. They're still wanting yeah. the to play. Yepes is just going to sit on the bench. Um, you got Alec Burleson who has gone all the way up to AAA. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not, you know, they want him to spend some time there, but he's knocking on the door. You've got Nick Plummer who, you know, doesn't need to be in Springfield because he's tearing that up. Um, you've got Delvin Perez who is starting to reclaim his luster as well. And a lot of these guys we talked with Kyle, 
you know, three or four weeks ago, but there's just not an obvious place for these guys at the big leagues right now. Um, and we'd like to see them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that would be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that would add quite a bit of entertainment to the, uh, to the season, but uh, yeah, you, you're just not going to see it. So uh, it, it's frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating all around. And it's you're you're right. I mean, there's the assumption that we're that we're going to have a ton of money to play with. And when I say that, the, the assumption with us that that there's going to be a ton of money to play with, and they're going to be big market spenders. And then when you look at the arbitration guys, I think you you may see two extensions this off season of guys that at, at some point have been unpopular as Cardinals. You know what I mean? Just down that list. And I don't know anybody in particular. I mean, you could point at a few guys that have had bounce backs and two that you know that have played well. But it's it's one of those to where I just feel like some of those guys are probably going to sign extensions to eat up some of that money, and that's gonna that's not going to go over very well. Yeah, I mean, there's and and I think the Cardinals should be. I don't know that they will be, but they should be pretty hesitant to sign the extensions yeah. just because of the success rate they've had with those things. I mean, we're having this whole discussion about Matt Carpenter. Well, if the Cardinals had not been aggressive with Matt Carpenter, he would have had an option for last year and he would have been a free agent at the end of last year. And there's no way he'd be on the Cardinals for this year. Or if he was, he signed to some minor, you know, smaller deal. He's not taking up a thing. And if without that, Colton Wong is playing second base. And if Colton Wong is playing second base, this team is it's a better team. I'm not saying that they're in a division winning. Well, team. I mean, yeah. But, I, it, well, and you know what? And I feel for it. And, and I, I agree with that because there seems to be like, I was one of those in the off season that thought, Hey, if that's the only move you can, that that's one that you could probably afford to take, you know, yeah. with the Wong deal. As surprised as it was, as much as I like Colton Wong, I kind of thought that was the case, but it is a situation where they haven't seemed fluid without him. You know, I mean, it's you know, we've seen two or three leadoff guys and all kinds of uh, kinds of stuff. So I know exactly where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just and and I mean, they've done that way too often to some degree. I mean, Miles Michaelis had signed a two year contract. He had a very good first year, and they signed him to an extension. And he's been hurt ever since, you know, um, and he, well, he pitched, I guess he pitched one year that was Midland and then got hurt. was out all last year. He's been pretty much all out all this year. Um, you know, they're not going to get much out of that extension. Uh, they didn't get much out of the Carpenter extension when they didn't need to make it. Um, so, you know, I think that they're, I, I think you're, I'm, I'm not looking at the list, but, I'm assuming that Harrison Bader is one of those guys. Yeah. Bader. Um, yeah. Well, yes. No, no, no. The team that I point to that I feel like will probably get extended this offseason are uh, Bader and Reyes. I mean, I'm looking at roster resource and trying to narrow it yeah. down in a filter yeah. right now. But those are the two that I would assume probably get looked at for extensions. Um, and I think, you know, I – I think you're right. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I also think we're hoping that, that Harrison Bader has made some sort of adjustment. His something has clicked. He's kind of getting to where he needs to be. And he may be. I hope so. But I'm not sure I'm ready to gamble on that with an extension when you don't have to. I yeah. mean, he's arbitration two this year. I mean, you've got him for 2022. You've got him for 2023 without doing anything. 
you know, let him play 2022. And then if it, if he can play like this for an entire year, then maybe you're looking at an extension, but you know, I'm afraid you're right. I'm afraid they tie up, you know, him to some sort of extension because he's figured it out and he hasn't figured it out. It just happened to be a good, good couple months. Sure. And you know, and this is, uh, this is just, this is my line of thought on this. And I feel like this is how the, uh, the, uh, the, the club's going to think he makes such a difference defensively that I don't think they care what he hits right now. And they, they feel like they've seen flashes in the pan enough to where you can probably take the highs and lows of the worst. If not, you, he's going to grow into the highs and you're going to have a pretty good deal. And I think that's probably going to make it a little more affordable to do now than next year. Maybe of course, Harrison Bader's also 27, you know, how much, if you're tied up in all that defense, part of that is being young and being able to run, right? But, yeah, but listen, historically, you build your power at 28, too. Yeah, I mean, fair. so that's uh, – that. I mean, that, that's a 50-50 proposition to me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I I don't know. I still think that, yeah, it might, it might cost you a little bit more to do an extension in 20 – at the end of the 22 season if he has a good year. But I think you've just seen enough of that. That enough of the early ones. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you yeah. on that. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, I, I understand. Think I think you're right. Though. I think the club. I, I think if any of those four, the four at least according to roster resource are <laughs> Flaherty, Bader, Reyes, and Hicks. I think any of the four that sign, it's going to be Bader. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I was looking at because I think that you have a year just because those are the two that have been with the ball club the longest. And that's yeah. why I was looking at those two the quickest because I think that there's going to be a lot of pushback saying, well, why didn't you just go ahead and get, I'm going to throw Hicks out there just because he's Hicks. And yeah. I understand the, the shoulder is going to be an issue on that, but, uh, or elbow at this point, I guess. And then Flaherty that you're going to hear what well, you should have just signed him. I, I don't know if that's going to happen regardless. I mean, I think that that's going to go full term and then we're mm-hmm. going to figure some things out. So that's kind of why I picked Bader and Reyes and Reyes may be beneficial to go ahead and sign that. Um, yeah. Reyes, depending on what you have to spend on him, yeah, uh, you know, I think there's some value there. I want, we'll get it. I want to talk more about Reyes in a minute. Yeah, that's fine. And it goes, but um, but yeah, Flaherty, you're right. I I I think Flaherty's been fairly open with the fact he's not doing the Trevor Bauer type of maximizing your earnings type of thing. But I do feel like he's going to want to get to the free agent market. I'm not saying that he won't sign back with the Cardinals. But I think he wants to see what his worth is, and that may very well price him out of the Cardinals' range. And yeah, I get that. yeah, but yeah. I don't, you know, when the Cardinals, when people are going to say you should sign Jack Flaherty an extension, it's not the Cardinals that don't want to. Yeah, it's Jack Flaherty's side that's not going to want to sign that, and I don't blame him for that. Sure, I don't, I don't. You know, sometimes you say that it's like, oh, you're blaming the player. No, no, it's fair for him to move out. But you know, both sides got to agree, and the Cardinals aren't going to just. I don't think the Cardinals can offer him enough for him to turn out way that free agency, especially two years from now at, in a new CBA, who knows what's going to go on now. It's possible that if a new CBA comes out and, and hinders some things, maybe that Flaherty changes his mind, but I don't think that's probably going to happen. Um, back to Reyes though. And I think this, this ties into some stuff that Joe, Mo, John Moselock said this week, you know, he basically said, They've thought about Hicks as a starter because it would be able to manage his workload better and, you know, maybe keep him healthy. Um, I'm, 
you know, not, you know, he was a starter in the minors. They brought him up. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. But it's very fascinating for them to start looking at Jordan Hicks to go back to the starting rotation, which is something that the Cardinals hardly ever wind up doing. They talk about a lot, but they hardly ever wind up doing it. Yeah. And then Alec Reyes is sitting there, and they kind of kind of got the first first feelings of, well, he's not going to pitch enough for us to move him into the rotation, so we're not going to. Which is a little bit ironic because Jordan Hicks hasn't pitched like in two years, and they're going to try to move him to the rotation. But that's another story. Um, I don't. After, especially maybe it's after watching last night. I know everybody talks about Alex Reyes's pitches and how he should be a starter, but I just can't imagine him being a guy that goes more than five innings because he's never been able to throw strikes. Yeah, and so if that's the case, why not leave him in the road? In the I mean, he's been successful for the most part. We're going to see in the second half you know, in the next, go, the next couple of months, whether that walk rate wind up really catching up with him. But, you know, for the most part, he's been successful in the ninth that, you know, I'm not sure that he has the ability to be successful elsewhere. Yeah. And that's tough because yeah. like I said, I've always wanted to see Reyes in the rotation and I mm-hmm. felt like it would level out a little more and not be as exposed as much pitching in late innings, the, the lack of control, but you, but you're right. I mean, it's, that that's who he is, and you're probably going to get a four or five, you know, inning starter out of him. Not the dominant starter that you probably need, and it's tough. But you know what? I I kind of felt it was smoke and mirrors all all uh, all spring about the hey, we're going to get him to this to get him ready to start. They said it, but they've never shown it. No. And it was probably what two or three weeks into the season where you and I were talking. I said, "Well, Reyes is their closer. That's not changing, no matter who, whether Hicks comes back or not." I said that that's how they. That's how they want him. That's how they're going to use him. And that's obvious. That may not be what they're saying. And I don't know if that's not a permanent situation for him. I mean, I'm not I'm not certain. And you're, you're going to see some games like this. Now, like I said, he doesn't get hit. But he also sometimes doesn't need to. And that that's scary. That's the, that's where things get a little a little troublesome. Yeah, because that's the, the danger part is, you know, he, you know, granted, he doesn't give him. He's given he's given up twenty five hits this year. He's walked forty two. You know, in just under fifty innings for both those things. So he gives up a hit every other inning, but he's walking a guy every inning. So every other inning, yeah. you got a chance. I mean, if he walks a guy, you know, the guy moves to second on a ground out. That hit comes. Well, he's in a pitching in a one game one run game. You know, that's a problem. Um, you know, and he's been fortunate this year. I mean, you look at his ERA and again, reliever ERA is not much, Yeah, but it's finally, I mean, you know, beginning of June, beginning of July, it was under one. Now it's 2.4 because he's had, I mean, he's had a rough month, right? I mean, since July 1st, he's pitched 11 innings, given up nine runs, walked 12 and just struck out eight. And that's, and that's the thing with Alex Reyes. He's hit two batters too go along with all that including one last night that's the thing with alex reyes i mean he's got 59 strikeouts so i guess maybe it's not but it always felt like he should strike out more than he does you know it's like and maybe jordan hicks really has that it's yeah I, that, I, you, I was gonna say that i was actually gonna bring that up here in a little bit and i wonder how much that plays into the uh, the starter conversation we, that's takes us down a different yeah. road so go ahead no, I mean that's fair. I, I realized as I talked about that, it's it's less about Rice. Rice does strike out a decent amount, but 
you know, I got to wonder, and I want to watch this somewhat as he gets into, you know, more and more in the season. And, and again, probably a little bit tired, but also the fact, you know, if I'm a batter, you know, I'm taking until I get a strike, if maybe two, you know, and I'm, I'm just a little bit surprised that more batters aren't like that, you know. I mean, I get that his stuff can be deceptive and nasty and all that, and he does throw enough strikes, but, you know, like, you know, especially a game like last night, and I think that's pretty much what they did last night, right? I mean, you know, we just, just let him throw, and he threw, what, two strikes, four strikes out of 21 pitches or something yeah. like that. It was, it yeah. was ridiculous. And, and that's the thing with Reyes is it's not necessarily, I know coming up, Kyle's talked about this before and it somewhat happened in the major leagues too. It is stuff moves enough that the umpires can't track it. And they call it a ball when it's a strike. But a lot of times, and this is a thing with the whole, whole staff, they don't miss by, Oh wow. You just, just nicked the plate. No, they miss by, you know, Molina or Kisner has to die for it. You know, it's not close, and I don't get that as much. I mean, I think Ben's released the one that's talked about non-competitive pitches and how many non-competitive pitches that they throw. You know, it's pitches that batters not even want to think about swinging at. Um, you know, that's just an approach that needs to change. I mean, it's one thing to walk, guys, but it's another thing for the guy not to even have to, you know, you can't even argue that it's uh, that it should be in a walk. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's a great point. I mean, there's... There, I just cringe about the I cringe about the hits bat hit batters too. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's just it's atrocious. I'm like, what? Where have things gone so wrong? But yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, that's that you're gonna see a situation where guys just don't have to swing against Reyes, and that that's that's a little troublesome. Yeah, and you know, like we said, we know everybody we pointed out last night that was you know, the Cardinals walk four guys with the bases loaded. So that ran their team numbers up to um, to 26 for the year. 26. Two away from the record. And that's bad. I mean, what did they say? Like five, I think 5% of the runs come that way. I don't remember exactly. It was, Derek Gold had a stat about something. Yeah, it, it was something similar to that. Bad. Yeah, It's bad. But, you know, that doesn't count the fact that they've had situations. Well, here we go. Uh, nope, that's the hitting. I'm sorry, I gotta look at the pitching numbers. But anyway, it's it's you know there's like they've had like 12 or so hit batsmen with the bases loaded as well. I mean, you know they've probably given teams like 40 runs this year that the other team just didn't have to work for. You know, it's just yeah, it's just hey here have have a run, and you can't come back from that. Uh, that no, those are backbreakers. Yeah, I mean. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Because it's, let's see. All right. Bases loaded. They've walked 26. They have hit six. Um, I thought there was something else. And they've given up one grand slam. So, you know, so 30, 32, you know, and they haven't given up but 23 hits. So, you know, they get people out of those situations if they don't, you know, give them the free base. I, it's just something that I don't, it's just remarkable. I mean, and this is a, a team that has been, it's not like they've been bad at pitching for a while. It's just like all of a sudden they all stepped off the same cliff at the same time. Yeah. It, it's, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's, 
the circling the drain type situation with everybody. I mean, no, no one really steps up. It's 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 a scary time. That's what's so weird about it because you feel like the guys on the you, you feel like there's guys on the roster that are going to keep your head above water, but that just hadn't happened. So you just you just don't know where it's going, and I that's the troublesome part for me is where are you going to improve? Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I wrote a post that went up on Sunday and I pointed out that almost everybody in this organization has been here a long time that has been in this organization one way or another. In fact, the only person I can think of that's in some sort of position of authority, if you will, that hasn't spent a lot of his career in St. Louis is Mike Maddox, Um, which is weird, but, and random, but there you go. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about, you know, Jamal Zalock's been there for 25 years. Mike Schultz spent almost his whole entire career um, in the, in the organization. Um, Mike Gersh hasn't worked anywhere else. There's a lot of similar faces and I, you know, I got to think there's a lot of similar thinking to yeah. the point that we're not seeing stuff like Jack Flaherty pitching in the major leagues because there's a desperation and we need him to. So let's figure out how to do it. Or Jack Flaherty's gone down. Let's go find a replacement, you know, like the Brewers just did of somebody that at least patch the holes. Um, there's, or how can we win a game without, Giovanni Gallegos and Alex Reyes pitching. There's not a lot of creativity. There's not a lot of fresh thinking. There's not a lot of, you know, doing something different. And again, I don't want them to get way away from what's been successful for them. Sure. But the game has evolved and it doesn't feel like the Cardinals have. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to tell this story and I can kind of, I think it speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. During the day that during the trade deadline, you and I were talking, and I was like, you know, just for once, I would love to see the Cardinals just say, okay, let's gamble on this and do what Atlanta did and just go and find five outfielders, figure out playing time later. We need bats that are going to come help us now. And Anthopolis has a history of doing those things. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the naysayers are going to say, yeah, this is his second team, though, you know, type situation. But, I, but my point is, some teams are willing to gamble. Some ownerships are willing to let it happen. And they're willing to put, put all their chips into the table just to try to improve. When I told you that story and I made the comment, I was like, I would love to see them once. You couldn't even fathom them doing it with the names that are involved in the, in the front office. You couldn't even imagine it. I mean, that's where we are right now. It's, uh, it's that stale that you can't even imagine them going and doing one-tenth of what Atlanta did. Atlanta may end up, you know, five games out, and it and it's not going to cost them anything. But at least they tried, and at least they're energized right now. I would love to see the Cardinals do that on a on a something so simple of a trade deadline to where you could do some roster retooling, even if you feel like you're out of it, to kind of change some things and not wait into the offseason to do it. But they won't because things are just so stale. And I think other teams know that and don't and won't deal with them anymore. We're, this is a this this is the worst era that we've had since the '90s, mm-hmm. and that's impressive to say. But you'd wonder where that's going to change, though, you know. And that that is what that's what worries me a little bit. The thought that even imagining something so out of character 
is almost impossible to do. Yeah, and it's, you know, you even look at the big trades that they've made over the last couple of years. Um, the Goldschmidt and the Arenado deals. Yeah. Neither one of those felt out of character, right? I mean, yeah. they were big deals, but Goldschmidt, they gave away spare parts. Yeah. I mean, granted, would a healthy Luke Weaver have helped this year? Sure. But, you know, Carson Kelly has, you know, was, would have been like you know, covered in cobwebs by now. Sure. And, you know, so yeah, those part, you, you understood that. You, that was not a trade that hurt them. They took on some money, but they can do that. The Arenado deal, again, they didn't give up a whole lot, although I saw Alaris Montero was like one of the minor league players of the month last time. So maybe that's another one that'll hurt them. Who knows? But, you know, and the fact that they've got, you know, our, the Rockies to basically pay for Arenado this yeah. year. Um, it wasn't out of character because they've wanted Arenado for a long time. Those, you know, that's the kind of guy that you kind of expected. And it didn't give up a Gorman or a Libertor or anything like that, which again, I'm not saying that they should, but those aren't out of, they haven't done anything out of character in a long, long time. I don't think, and maybe that's just us. When we watch the team, we kind of have a feel for them. And maybe the Goldschmidt and Arenado fields felt out of character. I think the, I think the, probably the only thing out of character in the last few years, might be the Tommy Pham trade. And of course that came back to bite them, mm-hmm. but but even you know, then, it wasn't a surprise by any means. Yeah. You know? It's a little bit of a surprise because it felt like a sale, but it was Tommy Pham. And that's what, that was my that was my that's my gut feeling on it, is yeah. that it probably would be more substantial if it wasn't Pham. Do you think they would be more aggressive had Randy Rosarena not, you know, set world records last year in the postseason when everybody's watching? You know, I, I kind of ride the fence on this one, like I do on a lot of things recently on our podcast, just because it's, they're just so hard to figure out. I would typically say yes, that would they probably were. They're probably, the, the, you know, your Voights, your Randys, you know, you guys that, that have come back to sting them a little bit and have done it on such a, a big stage, I think they were a little gun shy. There's a part of me that feels like they've used that as propaganda a little bit not to do things. Yeah. Um, because I mean, think about the situations. I think that that John Mozeliak is a pretty upfront guy. We've, he's pretty no nonsense. We've been in the same room with him. That he's pretty direct. I think that some of that of hey, we've seen these guys. Yeah, we saw them succeed on the biggest stage. I kind of felt like that was a way of them to have an excuse not to be super aggressive on stuff. Um, if that makes any sense. I feel yeah. like they've used that in their favor, even something as, as, as trivial as that, to not have to go out and shake things up. And it's, it's a little bit surprising. And it just goes into kind of like your lack of creativity. They're just, there's just not a lot of shoot from the hip, a hip from them. There, is, there seems to be a narrative built on every move they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I get that. I kind of, on the most, for the most part, I would rather the Cardinals err on the side of caution because it does hurt when you make a deal that blows up in your face. I get that. I mean, if, if we had traded, I think if they had traded Harrison Bader for Zach Wheeler in 2019, like they sounded like the, or Tyler O'Neill on the two, 
which was rumored. And if they had had the year they had this year, you know, especially in New York, which is a bigger stage, um, there'd be a lot of people that were upset, right? Yeah. You know, even though it's a, it made sense at the time. I think that, you know, I can defend a lot of those trades. The, the Rosarena deal is the only issue with that one is they should have, one, they should have known what they had in, in Rosarena. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the biggest issue with them. Yeah. With him. And, they just and, never played him. They didn't. And they had opportunities to, and they not only took her forever to bring him up, but then they played Tommy Edmond in the outfield ahead of him, which we argued about at the time. And that's all that. So yeah, that's, I think that's really on, on them for whatever reason you can, you can say that Voight, I, you know, that's fine. You know, I get that. Um, and some of the others that have succeeded elsewhere, like Patrick wisdom, I don't, give them any fault for Patrick wisdom. It's been like three years since he was in the organization. Yeah. You know, he's bounced around the, you know, a couple of minor leagues and he finally found a chance to play in Wrigley, which is, you know, it's great. I mean, I'm glad he's succeeding, but that's just, I mean, the Cardinals couldn't keep him around. He was out of options and everything. I mean, and if you would have, do you want Patrick wisdom sitting on your bench the last couple of years? Doing yeah. nothing? I don't think so. I don't, I don't blame him for some of that stuff, but they've got to figure out something. I mean, they've just, I mean, if this offseason has a chance to be a place where they can be creative and be transformative, but like I say, I just don't see that coming out of this organization. I would like to see, I would like to see John Moselec go do the job he was supposed to do, which was, you know, big picture trends and things, figure out what's coming next. I'd like to see somebody, if it's Gersh or somebody else, take over the actual day-to-day GM stuff, which I feel like Mo is still doing. Um, I had to question your article that it was 2017. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like that long ago because nothing's changed. Yeah, it it doesn't. Um, I mean, because there was that idea in 2017, you know, okay, well, there's going to be this transition time where Mo's going to do some stuff and Gersh is going to do some stuff, and then we'll move on but they've never seemed to have moved on again. We don't know what's going on. Gersh may be doing a lot of these deals and Moshe's the kind of the front face a lot still because everybody's comfortable with him. And that's just, you know, it's kind of what they did in Chicago, right? Theo was the president of baseball ops and Jed Hoyer was the GM. And you talked to Theo a lot of the time, you know, but even then you felt like Jed Hoyer was doing some stuff. And obviously yeah. he is now, um, whereas Michael Gersh, if you see him on TV, like twice a year, that's a lot, right? Um, and I mean, the cat invent interviews everybody, and it's still it's still like rare where we ever see Michael Gersh. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see somebody come from the outside, and that's you know, I made that argument when they hired John Mosellock that they had the opportunity to get you know Chris Ananetti from Cleveland and bring in somebody that was fresh, that was different, and you know, they went with Mo, and I get that. Mo's been great for the time he's been here. Mo also had the opportunity to kind of piece the front office together between the Sky Stouts and the Scouts, um, you know, things of that nature. And he wasn't Jeff Ludnow, which is a good thing that we know. Um, but I think it's it's time. I really feel like it's time for somebody new to to come in and do something a little bit different. And you know what? 
they're going to, there's a good chance that somebody's going to come in and do some stuff different. And we're going to complain about that. I get that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the different to complain about. Well, that's the fan base too. And I think everybody probably has it. It's a fever pitch for the Cardinals right now because no one's used to this. And then you look at the Antonetti deal. And what I think is interesting about you bringing that up is look how well he's weathered what is potentially a Cleveland rebuild there. Yeah. The White Sox are running away with the division. We know that. But they haven't necessarily been out of it, and they traded a star to get where they are. And now next year, they've already come out and said, hey, we have money to spend. So yeah. holding on to Ramirez and doing those things is probably going to be beneficial to him. So he, even he kind of thinks out of the, outside the box a little bit. And you just kind of wonder if things would have been, been different. Don't get me wrong. I am a fan of Mo. I mean, I, and, but I understand that voices do get stale. Yeah. And what do we, th- I mean, we've, we've gone over this. We're both fans of Mike Schilt for the most part. I, I think that he's done a good job, but I do start to wonder, maybe just from spitting on Twitter, I do start to wonder that we're not seeing, seeing some of the stuff we saw with Mike Matheny yeah. just packaged at a better spot. I mean, Schilt's a better about explaining things. Schilt's a little bit more open to you know, saying he made a mistake, but we're still seeing a lot of, you know, bullpen issues. We're seeing, you know, I think less, I think over the last few weeks, we've seen a little less of a a fixed lineup and, you know, Tommy Edmund playing when he shouldn't or vice versa, you know, or, but we're still seeing, you know, Yadier Molina hitting fifth most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Matt Carpenter plays last night and hits fifth, although it kind of worked out. Um, I, it, I don't know. Is it, and I don't know Schultz's contract status. He's got two or three more years, right? They just signed him to extension. So I don't see them him going anywhere, but, you know, should he, I guess? Well, it, yeah. I mean, it, there, there are some signs of stubbornness, you know, to me. And, you know, I, I mean, I like Schultz, but then there's, you know, just like we talked about the Helsley situation. And you're exactly right. Behind closed doors, we don't know what's going on. You have no clue at all. One little thing that bothered me the other night, and this could be on the player. I mean, I'll have to say this. But Jay Happ looked incredibly uncomfortable trying to bunt a guy over Mm -hmm. from the first pitch and finished it up by fouling out on on the third pitch after lining the ball to center fielder in his first at bat. You know, that's not necessarily indicative of the hitter that he is, but he didn't look clueless. He looked better swinging the bat than bunting. Sometimes I just feel like they were so determined to get that guy over that they were not going to call off that mm-hmm. the bunt signal. They just weren't going to do it. And I was like, boy, you talk about lack of creativity. Yeah, it could have cost you a double play, but, man, it could have found a hole. I mean, there's been two or three times this year or this week against the Cardinals that someone beat the shift with a ground ball. You know, things happen, you know, when the ball is in play. And I just felt like I was like, Listen, this is not a time just to play status quo. You've got to make up ground. Try to be a little aggressive here. They don't run. They haven't run like they used to. You know where I think that they they they're athletic enough to do so. They're gunshot because they don't have the best base dealers. That's that that may be on Schilt. And they just don't. They're just not overly aggressive like a team that needs to make up ground quickly. And those are the those are the cracks in the facade that really bother me. Because I felt like in the last couple of years that Schilt was a different manager in a pennant race. And we just haven't seen that. And, I mean, I feel like it's it's gut check time now, if not past it. 
Yeah, and we've seen that a couple times. You know what? This last, you know, the Woodford start I think really stands out. Of you know, I know the bullpen issues, but you know, could you have pinch hit for him in a good, you know, in the third or fourth inning when you have bases loaded or something like that? You know, do you take your shot early enough? And I think we've seen in the past Mike Schilt be aggressive like that, and and not so much this time, right? Schilt's contract does run through twenty two. Uh, last time. He got his first three-year deal. It was eighteen ninety. It was through twenty. He signed an extension November before the end of nineteen. So, if that held this offseason, he would sign an extension. If he doesn't sign an extension, you know, we saw. I, I still remember Jim Riggleman quitting because they wouldn't extend him. You know, we've seen that they that baseball in general. That was when Riggleman was the Nationals, of course. Yeah. Baseball in general likes to have the manager have at least have a contract that looks like he's going to be there for a while. So, so he's when he's dealing with the players and not have a lame duck. Um, I, it's going to be very interesting to see what they decide to do with Shell because if they decide to go somewhere different, you know, maybe they do d- go ahead and let him go this off season and, and find somebody different. But boy, I just, I can't see that happening. Can you? No, I can't either. And I wonder if this doesn't just, uh, to, if this doesn't, make a better point of your uh, of your piece about being too insular of I would bet that if they let go of Shield, it would be Marmal. I mean that that's the one that's I wonder if he's not next in line regardless because they're kind of worried about him, you know, leaving the leaving the crib a little bit. Yeah. I mean they do I mean they've brought Marmal up, you know, draft him as a player and he's worked his way up. In fact he was listed in my you know, listed as well. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um I gotta feel like if they let go of Schilt, especially if they let go of him this off season when they're still paying him for twenty twenty two, they're not gonna just move up to Marmal because they I think I think they would realize that that's gonna be the same thing. I mean, I don't know anything about Ali Marmol to know if he would be a different type of manager. But, you know, we've thought Schilt was going to be a different type of manager than Mike Matheny, and he has been some. I don't want to get to that. I mean, I know a lot of people say they're not the same. I don't feel like. I guess we'll find out this weekend as the as the Royals come in for some degree. But still, we thought there was maybe a bigger gap than there was. I don't think we could even pretend like there's a big gap between Marmol and, and Schilt, right? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, the whole group's the same. Yeah, I mean they've worked their way up. They've come through the same organization. They've come. They've learned the same thing. They've they've learned from Kissel's book and his way of doing things, and that's all great. I'm glad of that. I'm glad for that kind of tradition, and I don't think that kind of stuff needs to be thrown away. But if you're going to get a new manager, then maybe you bring somebody in that says, "Okay, this is my tradition. This is why I do things." you know, let's figure out how to work those things together, you know, and maybe add a little bit of something that, you know, cause George Kissel wrote all his stuff, what in the sixties and seventies for the <laughs> most part. I mean, not saying that it's not still good, but there's gotta be a way to modify it and adjust it some, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's uh you've it, everything that you just said, all I could think about, I mean, this last 15 minutes of the show, I, all I could think about was, I get the feeling that that after season presser of things go this way could be pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I hope so. But you know, then here's my concern. Here's my worry. And, and maybe it's not going to be a problem since we've seen what the Cardinals have done so far with this part of the schedule. 
I'm going to Jack Flaherty and, and Miles Michaelis are going to come back, and they're going to put a little bit of that run together that you're talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah, and they're going to come within. They're going to come. Maybe they'll cut the gap because they play a lot with with, with Milwaukee. Maybe they cut the gap to six or seven. In I mean, they're not going to be in it the last week or two. They make a little bit of a run, and then they come to that after the after season presser and say, well, you know, we got healthy. if we got healthy, when we got healthy, we look good. So there's not necessarily anything we really need to learn from this season. You know, if, if Jack Flaherty had been with us all year long, we'd have been fine. If, you know, if Miles Michael is, or, you know, we just, it, I, and I'm not even sure they'd learn from the, that to get a little depth. So maybe that's what they do. It's like, yeah, we've got the pieces together for a good team. They just got to stay healthy. And, I'm not 100% sure how true that is. I think it's somewhat true, but they they still need. They have and, a flawed roster. Yeah. And that's I hope they I hope they see that. I I hope so. I think, you know, and these are smart people. I know yeah. like people like to to bash on the front office, but they're you know, they, they they know baseball. I don't I don't but you know, the stuff that, you know, again, they have a lot more information and maybe they see things in a different light than we do, but you know, when we can see these flaws so clearly, you would like to think that they could as well. But um, we've hit right about that hour mark anyway. But I do want to one more point, and maybe it kind of goes with some of the stuff that we've been talking about. There was a report out this week from Derek Gould that the Cardinals are and Yachty or Molina planning to talk soon, hoping to get, if they're going to do an extension, hoping to do it like before the end of the season, rather than trying to do it off season, like they did it this year. Um, where are we on that? What do you think? Um, not surprised at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I almost expected it. And it's one of those to where I feel like it's going to happen regardless. I feel like that may prompt a Wainwright talk as well to see what, where he is about pitching next year. And if it's going to happen, I'd rather them do it early, um, just to, just to get it over with, and then and then figure out the pieces from there. What I don't like is if that was the case, I and you really felt like it was close, and this is coming out a week after the deadline. I mean, was Kisner's was his market eroded with the thought that everybody knows Molina's coming back? I mean, you know, that's that's kind of how I feel because if I feel like he's been mishandled, but you can say that about five different catchers at this point. Yep, yep, and that's. I think that's where I'm at. Obviously, love Yadier Molina. Love what he brought to the organization. And don't want to see him play anywhere else. So if he wants to play next year, I'd like to see him play in St. Louis. I would like to see him and Adam Wainwright continue that, you know, their little record that they've got going. But they've got a chance, I think, to, you know, if a healthy Wainwright next year and a healthy Molina, they've got a chance to be the all-time battery, right? Yeah. Pretty close. That's cool. I like that. But you can't have – I don't think there's any way you can have Yadier Molina be your starting catcher next year. I just – I don't see it. I mean, since June 1st, he's hitting 222. <laughs> he's got one homer. He – I mean, he still comes up with some big hits. Don't get me wrong, but they seem to be – and they seem to be clustered uh, a lot. I just – he's not – as mobile around the plate. I think we saw that last night when Kisner played that it's like, Oh wow. That, you know, catcher can get out and about. We kind of kind of forgotten because Yachty can still call a game and he can still throw runners out, but it feels like again, some of it's on the pitchers. 
seen a lot more wild pitches and pass balls in the last year or two. And that's fair. Yachty's getting to that age. He shouldn't be playing every day. Um, I know that he's probably got some records he's chasing and things of that nature. You want Yachty to catch Adam Wainwright every day next, every time next year. He should probably play maybe one other time a week, but you've got to let Andrew Kisner play or, I mean, even Mo has said that, you know, Ivan Herrera is probably the future of this team for a catching situation in this team, but he's still probably a year or two away, you know, give Kisner a chance to play. I mean, you just, I think you have to, I don't, I just don't think you can go into next year with Yadier Molina penciled in, especially as your five spot every day and expect to make a real serious run. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I get the feeling that, that Molina coming back means Kisner won't, mm. you know, for whatever that you, cause you can go get it. You can get a guy that's going to play, you know, side saddle to Molina for next to nothing. You well, know, you got Alex, Alex Sanchez in there. Yeah, that's, yeah, so it's very true. I mean, you can name 50 guys that would fit that role. Yep. I kind of get the feeling that, that that's probably the direction you're going to go. I mean, I can tell you if they sign him, he's going to be their starting catcher. There's just there's no way around it. I mean, this is that this isn't going to be a glorified farewell tour, which kind of leads into a point that I want to make to end the show. But but uh, but yeah, the uh, that's that's how it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I I, I get I get that, and that's my only hesitation of of resigning him because yeah. again, and maybe it goes back to the cult, cult, corporate culture of the of the Cardinals. Nobody wants to tell Yadier Molina he can't play every day. I mean, I was really, really surprised that he didn't play last night. Um, I don't know if, you know, and I would like to think, maybe we'll see it, but I, you know, I would like to think, look, you know, we're 11 and a half, ga- half games out in August. You play all year. I'd like to see Kisner get at least two starts a week from here to the end of the year. Sure. You know, because I mean, and you might, of, I mean, and you, you, you honestly might if they, if, it, if things get worse record wise. Yeah. Um, you know, again, let him catch Wainwright every time and, and you know, some of the others. But, you know, we've talked about how much Yadi calls a good game and all that stuff, and that's great. It hasn't worked this year. I mean, for whatever reason, you know, he's not stealing strikes. He's, of course, again, he can't steal strikes when they're over his head. Um, you know, I just don't think – I mean, when we see the, the breakdown of the pitching staff, I, Alex – uh, I think it was Alex on Chirps a few weeks back said it basically like this, which is makes a whole lot of sense. We give Yadi Molina a ton of credit when the pitching is good. He's got to take some of the blame when the pitching is bad. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a very good point, and that's something I had never really considered. Um, just because you feel like you had that in your back pocket all these years. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm changing the topics. So. Yeah, you had a point to end the show. We need to end the show. So go all ahead. right, so. When does the Carpenter farewell tour begin? You're going to start hearing emphasized John Hewlett calls when he pinch hits. You're going to see some uh, obligatory starts. Are we early for that, or is that close? I think it's early. Um, I think. I, I think the fact it you know Carpenter has not said he doesn't want to play next year. Carpenter has not said this is it even though maybe it should be. I don't think the Cardinals do anything overt like that until maybe the last couple of weeks of the season, honestly. Just, and that's because it's, a, it's like, you know, it's different for Albert. Albert, you know, 
everybody knew that situation was coming and Albert had done a lot. And even, I don't know if the Cardinals did anything, but people just started, you know, giving him standing ovations like the beginning of September or whatever. Um, you know, Matt Carpenter's not Albert Pujols. And I, I think there will be maybe a little bit more emphasis on some of that stuff in the last the last couple weeks of home games. And I haven't seen exactly what the schedule is. I think they play a lot on the road. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a little early for that. Yeah, yeah I feel like we're getting close, though. I think that you're going to get, uh, you know, a few more starts out of him. You're going to start seeing some more emphasized pitch hitting type situations. And, you know, I could kind of feel that last night. Yeah. um, Because, you know, Carpenter walked, got a base hit. I I remember those for sure off without looking at. Um, Still a little bit there. I mean, is it it out of the realm of possibility that they sign Matt Carpenter to some sort of like – couple million dollar deal to be a bench bat next year i wouldn't want to see it but i don't think it's out of the realm if, if they if he says look i'd like to play one more year i don't think the cardinals are necessarily want to see him you know go do that somewhere else i'm not sure though yeah yeah i don't know i mean that's it, it's it's funny that we spent 20 minutes talking about things need to change and then we bring this up yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of I was like, man, it's so – but you're right. I mean, it, it's completely understandable. Yeah. I mean, looking at the September schedule, and they've got the four games with the Dodgers, three games with the Reds, three games with the Padres, and then they end the season with three games with the Brewers and three with the Cubs. I mean, the 18th is that 2011 – World Series reunion, which of course technically Carpenter was on that team. So you know, around that time, I wonder if you start hearing a little bit of buzz, yeah, about maybe he's not coming back or some focus on you know he's free agent, what he wants to do, and and stuff like that. Because it's part of me, even though Carpenter's at the age that he's at, which is what thirty seven, thirty six. I don't know. He feels I, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm misjudging. Uh, oh, I was knocking out that cup of coffee, and I've already closed out my yeah. pages. Uh, he's a, he's, a, <laughs> he's a, I'm over judging. He's 35. He'll be 36 in November. Um, it just doesn't. Even though he's struggled over the last couple of years, and even though he's getting to that part, I don't know that Carpenter's ready to go home yet. Yeah, you know. No, I agree with that. And. Of course, you know, a lot of players aren't ready to go home until somebody tells them they're going home. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. is If the Cardinals don't sign him, does he try to latch on somewhere else? That, But that would feel weird, right? And I can't imagine he's going to have a, much of a market unless somebody thinks the last couple of years didn't happen. Yeah. And, he, you know, there's a part of me, and this could go a thousand different directions that we don't have time mm-hmm. to do. I wonder if they didn't try to trade him to some DH-heavy team anyway. But... You know, I, there's a part of me that thinks that's probably a ridiculous way to handle him. So, I, I mean, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't. In some years, obviously, we talked, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, you know, Carpenter makes sense as a DH, and, and he got to do that a lot last year or some last year. It, it's still, the bat's just not there. Yeah. Anymore. I mean, his eye's still pretty good. It's just tough um, to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's a uh, it's a pretty rough thing. So it is interesting. We did t- that. Mo had a deal that fell through apparently for a pitcher. That would be an interesting deal to find out about. Um, let's see if you you kind of wonder if they had a better pitcher in mind, and then when they couldn't get that, they just pivoted to whoever will fill the arms. Um, 
I don't know. Don't know. Um, but yes, yeah, for Carpenter, I, boy, it's, it, I, I think he, he deserves, you know, that last homestand to, you know, play every day or at least pinch hit and, you know, get the ovation from the crowd. Um, but until then, I don't know that they'll do a whole lot for him. Yeah, true. All right. Well, you know, at least when things are bad, there's plenty of things to talk about. Uh, so we've given, <laughs> we've done a lot of that. Uh, Alan and I will be with you next week. Cardinals have the Royals. They have the Pirates. They have the Royals again. I mean, you know, Alan, we talked about a soft part of the schedule, which has not gone so well. But the Braves were in there, and the Braves were always that. You know, they were, what, two games under 500? Yeah. And they just redone themselves. It's hard to say this that they're two and four in this after the soft part, but they're two and four, and they have to. You have to make up ground in your next twenty-one. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this is the this is basically the last stand. If they if they play five hundred baseball, then you know, I mean, I, again, you and I are both. It uh, they could probably win every one of those games, and it wouldn't matter to some degree. But you know, if they play five hundred baseball, then you know. I'm really going to miss the fact that the 40 man roster only expands or the 26 man roster only expands to 28 uh, in September. Cause there could be a lot of interesting guys that they could bring up in September. If they had that old, you know, the 40 man where they could bring up anybody. Yeah. Um, they're not, you know, cause Plummer and Yepes and, and all these guys that you might get a chance to at least give you something to look at in September. You know, right now it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, it feels like it's just probably going to be a couple of guys we've already seen, South Elledge and somebody else. And, it's, uh, yeah, you, just like you and I had talked about uh, how you used to have those games that you just knew the Cardinals were going to win. That's just yeah. the one. That's how they were. They weren't going to go in in long runs. You could bank on it. You could bet it. You knew they were going to win. There used to be those times where you knew the Cardinals were going to make a move of some sort to try to ignite something. This typically would have been one of those Fridays where you thought there may be a minor league call-up just to kind of spur some interest over a weekend and get him some at-bats. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. Uh, would you be surprised if something like that happened today? Yeah, I'd be surprised. No, no. Isn't that sad that it's that yeah. gotten to that? I would love to see them. But, you know, again, we talked about it earlier. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys that we're talking about, the Yepeses or the Burlsons or something like that, even if you – there's no room on the 40-man. Yeah. You know? And there's no room on the 40 man and they're going to have to take two guys off of it here in a few minutes in a little bit to bring up Mackles, Lackless and Flaherty. I just don't see them releasing somebody else to get a guy like Yepes on the 40 man earlier than they have to. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, 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 I agree. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> the that, that 40 man hesitancy where they could clear a lot of space knowing that they're going to have to in the off season anyway. They just won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe if they're, uh, maybe if they're, 15 games out when October rolls around, maybe they do a little bit of that, you know, put a plumber on it because he's got to have to go on it anyway or something like that and, and get a little bit of, of newness, but it seems unlikely. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Yep. Anyway, um, hopefully we're talking about some, some, some wins next week, even if we're not sure what they mean. Uh, but until then, that is Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's a winner! That's a winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals!